Welcome to the Young Adult in Ministry Podcast, the Yamcast, where we talk about everything the church needs to know and some things you don't need to know about failing forward in young adult ministry. We are starting these monthly podcasts with a discussion about the book, Sustainable Young Adult Ministry, and anything else we feel like. Hi, my name is Kenny. I'm from Boise, Idaho. My name is Jeremy, and I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. And I'm I'm Chris from Cincinnati, Ohio. And here we go. And my live note updates tell me that we are on to the content segment of said podcast, where each one of us shares something from the chapter that stood out to us. So we have the introduction and chapter one of the book. Sustainable Young Adult Ministry. Subtitle, Chris? Making it work, making it last. Yes. So it's Mark DeVries and... Scott Pontier. And you should get this book. They are not a sponsor. Uh, yeah. We just... I get One of you, was it Chris, were you reading this? And you're like, have you seen this book yet? You should check it out. Yeah, I think so. And I got it. So this is all your fault. And You're welcome. Got it. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, and we've all read this book, and we've lamented. We've gone through a grief process um, and also some ideation. Um, how do you guys want to do this? We just want to share something that, that stood out to you from kind of the intro. Each one of us do that, and then do the same thing with chapter one and just see where that lands us. That's That sounds like a good plan of attack for me, yeah. We did talk about this ahead of time, in case you were wondering. This is organized, but it's oh. also very egalitarian. So we're deciding in the moment. Yeah. Who wants well, to hey, start? I'll, I'll run with this. Um, the, I mean, the intro basically sets it up as, you know, telling the story of one, one of the author's experience. Uh, my assumption would be this is Scott's experience, since he is the pastor of Harbor Church with that connection, he's kind of telling his story of how they ended up with kind of a church within a church. They had a church of young adults um, that looked successful, looked awesome. Like all these 20 somethings who are coming to church and they're a part of this. Um, But then basically they hit, uh, they hit kind of a snag where, um, you know, people tend to drift away from the congregation the young adults you know he he made some joke about college some college students started to date someone from another church so a bunch of students left and went over there um and then the financial implications of basically trying to have a church ministry um that's geared towards a group a demographic that doesn't have a lot of money and doesn't necessarily um they're not in the habit of, of tithing and giving large sums of money to the church. So financially, that kind of ministry was unsustainable. And then something, I can't remember now, something about the detail of the space, the church they were in, um, or even his financial sustainability as a pastor, he had to take on other responsibilities, another role to basically you know fund. So anyway, it's a story about, hey, you know, it, look, this is awesome. We're reaching young adults. And then within, you know, 18 months, perhaps, or so, it kind of fizzled and fell apart. And so I think they're illustrating, you know, that 
that was not a sustainable model of young adult ministry, even though it felt successful and good for various reasons at a particular point in time. And, um, and we can all, we can each of us probably share some stories about, you know, parts, you know, some ministries we've been a part of that maybe they were going good at one time, but it wasn't sustainable or it didn't um, outlast the leadership that was running it or, you know, something like that. So I think it just serves as a really good illustration of how uh, challenging young adult ministry can be because of some of those considerations. What'd you guys get there? Like your, your own personal experience and connections with his story. I think one of the things you just said was, I think really important that when we're, um, as we talked about, like, how do we define success that sustainable is a key piece to that? Like if it's just something that is about numbers, uh, like you can get that really quick, like a flash in the pan, but like actually being able to sustain it over the long term in terms of, uh, deepening discipleship and financial uh, sustainability for the church, for the leaders, like all of that uh, will contribute to if you're actually able to have it be successful um, for years to come, which I felt like sharing that story and kind of like setting the basis for why he was writing the book, which is I think similar to our conversations as well, which is um, kind of sharing from each other um, uh, mistakes and lessons learned and then being able to to dream together about uh, how we can continue uh, to grow. There was a, a professor that I had in uh, grad school that his first day class said, the way that it's been described to me that I uh, present all my material is like if you were to throw like six different colors of paint up on a, a board, and then you spend the rest of the time trying to separate the colors back out originally. And he was absolutely right. It was the most confusing class I've ever had. And it, wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't until about two weeks before the semester ended that I actually understood what in the world we were talking about because uh, it was all thrown at us before any context was given. And mm-hmm. so I think one of the helpful things with, with this, um, both the, the introduction, but then also moving like uh, including uh, the first chapter as well as it kind of sets that foundation of like giving the context for why he believes the conversation is important. Um, kind of the, the street cred for why his voice should even matter or why their voices should even matter. And then kind of like set a pathway to, uh, to have context for like, this is what I should be expecting throughout the rest of the book. Thanks, Jeremy. Um, you know, the, the, the book title caught, uh, caught my attention right away when Chris shared it with me because I had read sustainable youth ministry, you know, however many years ago, 10, 12 years ago. And that had been important for me as a youth pastor. So I kind of came into it going, okay, it's just like, this is what we do with young adult stuff. We take youth ministry and we repackage it. And we just try to make it like age appropriate. And I was pleasantly surprised that that is not the case here. And that he um, very readily admitted that uh, what you think should work is probably not going to work with young adults. Um, and if you think that you have it figured out, you're going to find out pretty quickly, or at least you should, um, like, are you, are you, are you smart enough to know that you're dumb kind of thing? I think that's an Eminem lyric that I picked up probably when some kid's music was on, probably not playing in my own car, but anyway, um, (laughs) the, the picture that I'm taking from the introduction and rolling into the first chapter, um, is the one where he describes them as a tumbleweed congregation. And maybe it's just because I'm out in the West and there's like uh, 
boulder-sized tumbleweeds that literally roll across the interstate sometimes. Um, but the tumbleweed thing really grabbed me. And just this idea with, with young adults, we try to create these, I think we try to create these containers or structures with young adults, these programs where we're, we try to get it all buckled down. And then as soon as we think that we have it figured out, they leave, they, they go someplace else. So what if, what if we embrace um, uh, kind of a perspective of investment in young adults of sending and, and not just out of high school and, and, and into the young adult years, college age years, graduate school years, moving years, life relational changing years, job changing years. We just embrace all of that as reality. And like the tumbleweed, where if it's going to replicate, it has to suck all of its life up into um, from, from the edges. And so it all gets brittle and then it breaks off of its stem and then it starts rolling. And then every time it hits someplace, it, it, it drops um, copies of itself and it's replicating. And so it's, it's moving around to a bunch of different places. I love that illustration, that visual that that, that, that gives to me from the chapter. That makes sense to me. Um, with young adult ministry. I don't know if that resonates with, with anybody else, but if I can invest in people that in, instead of expecting them to stick around, but know that they're going to leave, then I'm probably setting myself and, and them up for relational and discipleship success. That's, that's my big challenge and kind of takeaway just from the introduction of the book. I think what chapter one, um, really has to offer. I mean, there's just great insights in here. I've got so many quotes I've highlighted in, in here, but the seven simple steps to failure that are then unpacked the rest of the book um, of what churches usually go through when they start realizing they need to do something about young adults. Um, folks, if you don't have this book, please get the book and read it. Read along with us, journey along with us. Um, Chris, you gave a really interesting insight after reading the book and having been a young adult pastor. Um, do you mind confessing that to us here publicly? Um, I really don't want to be perceived as a failure. So, <laughs> In this instance, it is success to be a failure. But um, I can relate to experiences of failure um, when it comes to young adult ministry. Um, so I mentioned earlier in the intro of this episode anyway, that I have been working with college students specifically. Um, but about halfway through my 10 year season of ministry at the university of Cincinnati, I decided to try to come alongside a local church and come on staff as a college young adult pastor and try to build a bridge from the local church to the campus. And, and, and to, to be fair, some of my motivation was financial because most campus ministers raise their own support and that gets tricky. So if you could talk a church into like, you know, funding you part-time, you're like, Hey, that would be good. Um, but anyway, so talk this church, this pastor into, Hey, let me join staff and come on and do college young adult ministry. And basically I was telling Kenny, I think, you know, they talk about the six common mistakes that that churches make in here. And I made at least seven of the six. Um, so, uh, or five, you know, at least five of the six, but seven of six sounded gooder. So, um, <laughs> So yeah, these mistakes, I mean, I'm just reading this book and reading these chapters and be like, 
I totally did that. I totally thought that was a good idea. Whoops. Um, why didn't this book come out a little sooner? Uh, so anyway, there, you know, it's kind of funny, but it's also sad. And, and I would say I keep seeing, you know, churches that want to make these mistakes again and again and again, um, because maybe they don't realize their mistakes. Um, well, but anyway, let me, let me just, let me share this. One of the quotes that I tweeted this morning as I was rereading the chapter, getting ready for our conversation today. Nice. The thing about mistakes is they often don't look like mistakes when you're making them. <laughs> and that's what I told you. You were doing the stuff that you knew to do that nobody else maybe had tried and you had the latitude to do it. And you're like, we're going to give this a go. Probably sounded crazy to other people. But then as you look back, you go, you know, that, that, that didn't work. So we got to fail forward. We got to fail forward with some stuff because there's no, there's no silver bullet. There's no perfect plan. Um, we have to flesh out in our context what it looks like with young adults and not just do ministry to them, but ministry with them. Um, we got to, and this is something we've all talked about. We, we got ha- to stop having boomers and Xers and older millennials creating things for young adults to do and then tell them it's really good and try to get those young adults to come to it and then wonder why they don't show up as they're making adult decisions um, and consumeristic decisions that they've been made, that they've been raised to make by all of us who have been shepherding them along and parenting them up to this point. Yeah. And I think it comes back to one of the, one of the, Worst things we do in the church in terms of discipleship and metrics and how we measure success and stuff is that we kind of base it on attendance or like program size, you know, so that we think just getting a large group of people into a room is success. No. Um, and so, you know, we try to apply that method to young adult ministry as well. And, and that's what we did. I spent two years in this role, you know, at a local church. Um, and, you know, we did something and we did the very thing that <laughs> this book talks about, like, oh, hey, let's, let's have a meeting after church. And anybody who's, you know, ages 18 to 29, you're welcome to stay. We're going to have free pizza, free food, you know, come and hang out with us. And then we basically did like this poll, you know, we had everybody fill out forms and answer a few questions about like, you know, what would you be interested in? What would you like for the church to provide for you? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, you know, that kind of stuff alongside of free pizza. And then, (laughs) I mean, to be honest, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to those results. I incorporated those a little bit into how we designed some of the first few events and stuff. But I mean, basically, I just had what I thought was a good idea. And I tried to develop like, um, to me, it it was like a TED Talk um, approach to young adult ministry, you know, uh, a gathering with some cool worship and, and we called it theology, entertainment and design. Um, <laughs> and, you know, so, I mean, I thought it was a great idea, but again, I'm, not, I'm a Gen Xer, uh, you know, trying to, uh, convince these millennials at the time of, of what they really were looking for or needed or whatever. So anyway, yeah, that was two years worth of, uh, pulling what 
few little hairs remained, you know, out of my head. Um, <laughs> Except your beard. And then I, I resigned and went back to full-time campus ministry after that. Um, and now five years later, after reading this book, I'm like, hey, we should try that again. I think we could <laughs> I think we Maybe could give it another time. go. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I learned my lesson. But. Chris, our, this is Sunday for the listeners. We're, we're doing our recordings on Sunday. And so we're all coming out of our Sunday mornings and the different parts and, and, and responsibilities with our churches and our different roles. Chris has got a small group at his house. Do you need to head out to that now, Chris? Or are you good? I've, I've probably got another 20 minutes. I'm good. Oh, sweet. Okay. They're just well, eating. They're eating and hanging out right now. I don't, doing have to the lead. Real... I don't have to leave the study until six. We got 28 minutes. <laughs> they're doing the real Christian things, breaking bread together, my friend, <laughs> my brother. Oh. Uh, Jeremy, anything out of what Chris was sharing or any, any thoughts as we continue? I, you know, uh, two thoughts. Um, one kind of what you were sharing, like Chris, like, you know, what you were doing there in that local church context, uh, several years ago, is like doing the best you could as you were figuring it out. And I heard someone say recently, like, you can't like read and study up your way, um, to doing a perfect push up. You just have to mm. do the push up until you like, it is through the practice that you end up figuring out how to do it well, um, which I wouldn't know. I haven't done enough push-ups to know if that's the right way to do it. But um, maybe, Kenny, I feel like I've seen you on Instagram do a lot of push-ups, Kenny, so maybe you can, you can speak to that. Um, but the Technology one other, does wonders. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think one of the other things that um, kind of connecting – what we're talking about here with the, the different mistakes you can make in ministry to something that I was reading about this week. I don't know if you guys heard about the, the church in Minnesota. Um, it's uh, in Cottage Grove, Minnesota. It's this church that is closing this summer and relaunching in the fall specifically to young people. And they're asking, literally asking the elderly people not to come back. Like saying that they that the church is dwindling to such a degree that it's going to die anyway, and they're asking them uh, to at least for two years go to a different location so that they can relaunch as a young church. And I it was like, I was reading this yesterday morning, and I was just like, I cross referenced it once uh, to make sure that it actually was a legitimate thing, um, but then came across it multiple places, and like the the pastor that's helping lead it, like talking about that, and I was just thinking like man, like, well, one, they need to, to get sustainable young adult youth men or young adult ministry, making it work, making it last again, not yet a sponsor of this podcast. Um, but also <laughs> that like, man, that just breaks my heart. Like I, like as, as important as it is to reach our, uh, like, I just don't know how that seems like that's going to, going to work, but also reading some of those uh, uh, reading some of the interviews, uh, with some of the elderly people that are literally being kicked out of their church. Yeah. Um, and I think still being asked to tithe, uh, in the meantime. Um, but like, yeah, nice. Like, that is subscribe. It's, it's like, <sighs> so, okay. I, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm astonished at that. I hadn't, I hadn't heard about that totally armchair quarterbacking here, but I look at that and I just, I bring that into my local church's context and, and I'm looking at it going, why don't, why don't we figure out how we get the older generation to connect with the younger generation? And okay, maybe all those people won't be super great for that, but are they grandparents? Are they parents of people that might be that age or have nieces and nephews? 
can they make food? Because young adults love food. Also, so do I. Um, yeah. Isn't there a way to like, to like, to like somehow interweave those things so that the church is the church no matter the ages, and it's not just a siloed kind of specific age group setting? Because now, what's going to happen when they come back? They've gone to another church. They don't have relationships. And now, if this actually works, and you have a young adult church, which personally. I don't know that that's the greatest model. That's what we had in my church 15 years ago was like a young adult church within our church. And then babies killed it. Like I told you guys before, you know, um, and, and I see that happening in my area where when I ask people about young adult ministry and there's these two or three kind of thriving offshoot young adult worship gatherings, but they're replicating something in a different style from the main church. It's, it's not just being the church and integrating the church to, together. Um, what I'm finding is that young adults want to have peer connections within their faith community, but they're not shunning all other generations and ages. Um, they just also want to hang out with people their age as an option, and there don't seem to be many around. But what do we do? We create a separate worship service for them. Go over there. Um, and that's really crass and a broad generalization, but I can't imagine doing that. Give us your tithe money, go to different churches and come back in two years and maybe we'll have a church again. Doesn't that just put them in the same situation, just a little bit further down the road? Yeah. And I feel like it's the exact opposite of what the stereotype that we normally hear of saying, oh, church is uh, prioritizing one group of people's opinions and uh, their form of discipleship and worship over somebody else. But it's the exact flip. I'm saying we're going to prioritize these youngers and for the older generations, you, you don't, you don't matter as much or there's other churches that can serve you. But it's like, uh, if, if it's about uh, the local church being a family and being a representation of the broader kingdom of God, like you need, how do uh, we, how do yeah. How do we get that wrong? How do, I don't know. how do we somehow, like we think about that maybe in other areas and then we get to this area and we just get dumb. I feel like this parallels a tendency in our culture to just want to create, you know, affinity groups or just protect ourselves from people who aren't like us, you know, whether it's political or ethnic, cultural, whatever, um, you know, we can just want to surround ourselves with the people that are, you know, like us and make us feel comfortable. Um, and, I mean, no, <laughs> no, are you, just no. Are you saying, uh, Chris, that echo chambers is not a healthy way to embrace culture? I mean, I really hate to go out on a limb here, but uh, it seems unhealthy. Yes. Um, yeah. And I mean, this is also saying to this current young adult crowd, hey, and in 30 years, we're going to have to do this to you again, and you guys are going to be out because that's how we roll. Um, just be ready for it. I mean, yeah, it's just an unhealthy approach. I mean, I guess I can kind of see what would motivate, you know, a pastor, a leader, a church. Um, I mean, we, you know, we definitely hear the the frustrations of, oh, hey, we want to change the worship style or we want to do this or that. But, you know, the older crowd in our church who really controls everything because they're the money bags, um, you know, we can't make these changes or adapt or whatever. I mean, we we can hear critiques or, I mean, I guess I can see what would motivate that. And that's 
kind of a ballsy move, you know, for a pastor to be like, yeah, let's, let's try this and see if it works. Um, but it just certainly doesn't feel like it. it uh, can I use the word jive? It jives with uh, Sermon on the Mount, with Jesus, with um, body of Christ. Um, you know, the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you because you're not a hand. Um, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So um, as we're kind of um, probably wrapping up here, working towards the outro, um, what what are some things just on the onset here of our podcast journey with the Young Adult Ministry Podcast? Yamcast, Yamcast, Yamcast. What what do you feel like are some some just uh, anchor points that we're going to keep coming back to that are really important with Young Adult Ministry? that are uh, not about program or about people. What are some of those things that you found um, practicing personally? Um, maybe things that the reading reminded you of. Those anchor point things. I'll leave with one. If you're like, that was so confusing, Kenny. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> no, I would say, and it's it's hard not to kind of do any spoilers here um, with what's coming down the pike as we get into the book. But I mean, for me, you already mentioned this earlier, you used the phrase, you know, kind of the difference between a, a ministry for young adults or a ministry with young adults. And I, to me, that's a key thing to get into your head is that we don't need to be just doing stuff for young adults, um, but figuring out how to, um, empower uh, college-age young adults to to do ministry and to do what they're already passionate about, which I think is to integrate, you know, faith with life, and not just have a separate faith community that makes no that has no connection to their everyday life kind of stuff. So anyway, to me, that's a that's something we'll come back to time and time again. Is that we're not creating a program for young adults, we're trying to figure out how to come alongside young adults, help them, uh, you know, do ministry. So kind of break down that, some of that consumer type stuff. Which I think, I think starts with being present. Um, so it's just being, being present to people, being present to young adults, paying attention to who's there and not, um, I, I learned pretty early on in youth ministry, uh, when teams would walk in and go, where is everybody? And they meant their four friends, right? There's, there's, you know, all these people in the room and they didn't see their the one or two of their four friends and it be present to who is there with young adults. That's where young adult ministry begins and, and, and ends. Um, and I'm just going to stop there, Jeremy. I think uh, it was something that both of you are talking about. So being present and ministry with, instead of ministry for or to uh, a church leader uh, a couple years ago, uh, Kenny, maybe you'll remember this quote. Um, he uh, said, you know, instead of asking the question, how do we connect young people to the church? The question needs to be flipped on its head and how do we connect the church to mission? And so if the church is doing what the church is supposed to be doing, which is being the hands and feet of Christ in the world of through declaration and demonstration, bringing God's kingdom more fully into our world for those of my age and younger, 
who want to be a part of helping heal the world of its brokenness, helping uh, turn the tide of injustices. Like that is that is the kind of story. That's the kind of narrative that I think anybody of any age range, especially uh, those of us uh, on the uh, the younger age range of the generations, th- that's something that we get inspired by. And so, being able to say, "Hey, we're not we're not t- defining success as just numbers." Um, but we're saying, how can we as a church be faithful to the DNA of what the church was intended to be? And how do we do that in our local context in a way that we are inviting um, through our presence and through our withness that we invite young people along with all the other generations into this amazing mission of God? Wow. Wow. So, Chris, here's what I think we do. I think just, we just take your part right now. We, I, Chris, I think we just take the segment that that just that snippet that Jeremy just did. We erase everything else that you and I have said up to this point, and that one and a half minutes is the first podcast episode. That's no, what I think. No, no. There's fair. A, there's yeah, there's a there's a there's a song from uh, the movie Selma that came out a few years ago called Glory with John Legend and in it he says we need the wisdom of the elders and the young people's energy. You you're the wisdom of the elders. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> See and that's what's wrong needed. with that church in Minnesota. See that's that's what's wrong with that that whole situation is there is you you got to take you got to take the wisdom and the experience of the older folks and then that energy put those together in a church and you have that synergy that happens, but you got to have, I I think you've got to have the people like us and others that are the advocates in our church context that help bring those things together. Cause for whatever reason, they often don't happen on their own. There has to be a champion. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So now what do we do? Well, let's close this thing out until next time. Um, I don't, did you guys see the little liturgy that I created for us? I did see it. Yeah. Do you, do you want to try it? It's, it's all the way at the bottom, Chris. Under our sure. notes called outro. Outro. Right. Thing. Yeah. Are you ready? <laughs> Until next time. Fail forward. Be present. Be teachable. Be flexible. And try something new. Gosh darn it. The Yamcast. 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 Chris? No Yamcast? Yamcast. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>